of whether we are passionate about it or not, or whether we're involved in it or not, God has made a promise that his glory will fill the earth. You and I have been given the incredible privilege, if we'll take advantage of it, of participating in that mission. And that's what today is about. It's about uh, being who God has designed us to be. When you look at yourself as a Christian, and when we look at ourselves as a church, what is it that we see? Well, over the next five weeks, I want to dive into that, and I want to begin by looking at our mission. And then over the next four weeks, we're going to look at our, our motivations, our passion, our heart together. And really ask the question, who are we? And, and look in the mirror of God's Word and let it declare, this is us. And what I have always desired from the days of my early calling to ministry is to be a part of a church that reflects the heart the passion, and the mission of the early New Testament church. And so we're going to dive into the book of Acts. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at the beginning of the universe. We've been looking at the beginning of God's mission through Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. And we've, we've delved into how all of the issues of our world got here. And we understand that now we're going to dive into the beginning, the new beginning of, a, of the church the answer to all of the problems is the body of Christ, the gospel of Christ, as he empowers us and as he sends us. So take your Bibles, if you would, and let's look at a story in Acts chapter 8 that I think will encapsulate our mission. It will help us verbalize it, which we're going to do over the next few weeks, verbalize our mission. And this passage of scripture, I think, beautifully visualizes our mission. It will help us today understand, but what I really hope is that we don't just understand our mission, I hope we engage in our mission. There's a big difference there, isn't it? So we want to understand and we want to engage. And so we're going to look at this story of the Ethiopian eunuch and a man by the name of Philip. If you'll follow along in God's Word, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. I'll try not to preach the story too much as I read it, but... Hang on as we walk through this very vivid, wonderful, wonderful story. Now, uh, what you need to know is Philip has just gone down to Samaria in response to the Great Commission, preaching the gospel to Samaritans who no good Jew would have even walked through there, much less preached the gospel. But he's having great success. There's lots of folks coming to the Lord. He's having a great re revival in Samaria. And an angel of the Lord interrupts and says, i got a different plan for you. I need you to rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down to Jerusalem. From Jerusalem to Gaza, this is a desert place. Why would God call him to a desert place? God's on mission, folks. He's on mission. And he sends us to where he needs us. And he rose and he went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch. He had been emasculated as a part of this commitment to the Ethiopian queen, Candace. He was a man of great power, a man of great privilege. He was in charge of all her treasure, wealthy. 
But he was also a man who was seeking God. And he was returning, and he was seated in his chariot. Not a lot of chariots in the Gospels. Have you seen anybody running around in chariots? No, the rich people had chariots. So Jesus and his, uh, his guys didn't have any chariots. They walked everywhere they went. But these guys, this guy is riding in a chariot. And here's the beautiful picture. And the Spirit said, well, he's, he's seated in his chariot. And he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. Another very important moment uh, and, and, and realization here. A scroll would have been 30 feet long. It would have been extremely expensive. And yet he had purchased a scroll of Isaiah. Your average person didn't have any scrolls of the Old Testament. They were kept in the synagogues. But yet he with his great wealth was taking. He was seeking God. He was looking in the, in the scroll of Isaiah. He was going back to Ethiopia. And he was probably a, a, a man of color from Africa. And here he was going back taking God's word, and he didn't understand it. He was trying to understand it. He was seeking God. And the Spirit said, I've got somebody you need to talk to. Go over and join this chariot. Now, joining a chariot that's on the move has got to be a challenge. But one that Philip and the Holy Spirit is up to. How can I? He, so Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, Do you understand well, you were reading, and he said, how can I unless someone guides me? That's a haunting question. It'll be a haunting question to you, church. Natalie mentioned 7,700 unreached people groups. West side around the world is just a part of God's work to try to reach some of those people that need the gospel. Un reached people groups. We know there's probably about 12,000 people groups in the world. That means about 70% of them are without witness. Or at least 2% of a Christian population are unreached. It's just that the need is, is demanding west side around the world. We can't just be west side here. And so... Philip is responding to this, this need. How can they know unless someone guides them and tells them the gospel? And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of scripture he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter and like a lamb before his shearer is silent so he opens not his mouth. I'm going to ask all you folks been reading Isaiah but I bet you haven't been reading Isaiah that much recently. But I bet you know who this is talking about. Who? Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can subscribe, describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth? And the eunuch said to Philip, who is this talking about? Is it about the prophet or about someone else? Philip opened his mouth. We've got to open our mouth, church. We've got to declare the truth. And beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And as they were going along the road, they came to, to some water. And the eunuch said, I love this. The guy's like, now I know I'm not supposed to be baptized. Eunuchs can't get baptized. It says in Deuteronomy 23.1, an emasculated man cannot be part of the fellowship. And I know I can't be a part of the fellowship. But it seems to me, based on what you've told me about Jesus, I now can. The barrier's been removed. And Philip said, yes, let's go down to the water. You're part 
of the church through Christ. No matter who you are. A eunuch, an Ethiopian, a Brazilian, a Londoner, an East Asian. All can come to know Jesus. Nothing prevents them from being baptized. And he commanded the chariot to stop and they both went down into the water. Philip and the eunuch and he baptized them. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. Isn't that an awesome story, church? Let's pray. Father, I ask, in the few moments we have, we have left, we won't rush. Spirit, may we hear you as clearly as Philip heard you that day. And if you tell us to go, I pray we'll go. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, West Side Around the World, which is what we're celebrating today, is rooted in Genesis. Those 12,000 people groups started with 70 in Genesis chapter uh, uh, 9 with the uh, dispersion of the uh, folks from the Tower of Babel, some 70 different people groups. Now there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people groups. So, so West Side around the world is rooted in the Old Testament, but it is required by Jesus. Luke 24, 46 says this, Thus it is written that Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to how many nations, church? To all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, as he begins this wonderful, uh, uh, this extension of the work of Christ through his spirit, he says in Acts 1, 8, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So we saw in the Old Testament in, in, in the Tower of Babel, God dispersed the nations to save his chosen people. That's the story of the Old Testament. Now, Jesus flips it all around. Christ is dispersing his chosen people to save the nations. That's the story of the Bible. We saw it through Abraham. The, the nations are dispersed at Babel to preserve them so God didn't have to destroy them again. And then he has a chosen people. And he preserves this chosen people and, and he scatters the nation. Now he takes his chosen people, you and I, and he scatters us to recall the nations back into one people. I just think the Bible's cool, don't you? How it works like that. And Genesis 8 through 10 is spectacular in the way that the Holy Spirit inspired Luke to lay this out. Do you know that we all come from Noah? You did know that, right? Adam and Eve, but then there was Noah, and he had three sons, Ham, Japheth, and Sham. It's interesting that in Acts 8 through 10, we see an Ethiopian get saved. He was most likely a black man from Africa. He would have been a descendant of Ham, one of Noah's sons. Then the next person we see saved is uh, we see another person saved in those chapters named Cornelius. He's a Gentile Roman. He would have been a descendant of Jephthah. And then we see Saul, 
who is a Jew saved, he would have been a descendant of Shem. Do you think the Holy Spirit is telling us that the job of the church is to take the gospel to all nations? That's what it's about. West side, around the world, rooted in Genesis, rooted in the tremendous need of the lost people, and it's rooted in the requirement and the commandment of God. We are meant to be a a dispersing people, a going people, a giving people, a praying people. Our, the nations need to be on our heart and on our mind. So West Side Around the World is our passionate response to Christ's command. We've got a little video I want you to see. Some of the folks that have said yes to it. And they want to encourage you to say yes to it as well. Let's watch this. Are, are the nations on your calendar? <laughs> are they in your wallet? Are they on your mind? Well, the nations are for the Lord. And that's what the acts, the acts of the apostles, the act of the Holy Spirit reveals to us as we launch into this study and look at it more closely. But today, just very briefly, I want us to, to begin a process by which we, in, as a church, will be able to clearly verbalize and clearly visualize what it is that we do and who it is that we are as a church. Now, you may not think that's important, but maybe you don't think it's important to know who you are because you haven't been overseas recently. If you go overseas, they seem to be very passionate about figuring out who I am before I get on that airplane. I mean, I have to have a driver's license. I've got to have a passport. And there are several layers of people who do this. You know, the whole 
and they scan it, and they check it. They want to make sure that, that I know who I am and that I really am who I am. And, and so they ask me that, and they make me prove who it is that I am before they let me into Brazil or before they let me back into America. They are rightly concerned at the border. They are rightly concerned when we were going into a foreign land. They are rightly concerned about who we are and what it is we plan to do when we are there, where we are going as a people when we are there, and what we plan to accomplish. In fact, they ask all three of those questions. They will look at my picture. They will determine that I am who I say I am. And then they'll ask me this question, where are you going? And I will have to tell them the city or the place that I'm going. They're concerned about where I'm going. And they want to know that I know where I'm going. And they want me to know that they know where I'm going. And then they will ask me, what are you here to do? They're concerned about what my plan is in their country, rightly so. And we do the same thing when people come into America. We want to know, especially in this heightened area of terrorism, we want to know who you are, where you're going, and what is it you plan to do. I think that's a very fair question. The Bible says very clearly that you and I are not citizens of this world. We're citizens of a heavenly kingdom. You and I are on tour in this world. We are visitors. We are sojourners. We are, as the New Testament would call us, ambassadors. And I think the churches that are struggling, the Christians that are struggling, are the ones that forget that and they forget who they are. They forget where they are going and they forget what they are here to do. And I think we ought to be able to just say it very clearly. Here's who we are. This is us. This is what we're here to do. So watch out. (laughs) And this is where we are heading. This is where we are going. And I think this story helps us funnel in on that. Let's us hone in on that. So let's think about our mission verbalized. Jesus put it this way. You will receive power next week. Don't miss any of these, please. Next week, I'm going to look at the power. You and I receive that power. Through prayer. And we're going to see that next week. But he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will be my witnesses. And here's the where. That's the what. What are you here to do? I'm here to be a witness. Where are you going? Well, I'm here to be a witness in Jerusalem. Where else are you going? Well, going a little further. Judea. Where else are you going? Well, Samaria. Where else are you going? Well, we're going everywhere. That's our job. To the ends of the earth. That's our mission verbalized by the Lord Jesus. But I think every local body, every local church needs to take Christ's mission and and look at their unique potential in their unique place and they need to refine that so that they're most effective witnesses in their Jerusalem. They can be the most effective witnesses in their Judea and in their Samaria. I went to a very, very different place over this past week. And there's a little church there. They're on an island in the middle of the Amazon River. That is not Gainesville, trust me. 
although Gainesville is as hot as the Amazon in the middle of August. But anyway, uh, so we, we went there. It's a very different place, so you wouldn't want to put a church 1,200 on an island that has a few hundred and, and figure out how to, the, every church has to answer the question, how do I fulfill that mission that is verbalized by Jesus, and how do I verbalize that? So we've been studying that. There's a group of 12 of us on staff, and we dove into the Bible. We dove into our uh, community, into all the statistics. We dove into the history of our church, the people of our church. And what we've been trying to do is really give us a way to verbalize as a church and visualize how do we accomplish the mission. Every single church whose head is the Lord Jesus Christ, every single church has the exact same mission. Make disciples of all nations who can make disciples. It's the same. Same, make disciples. But every single local church has a unique way of doing that. A unique way of seeing that in their particular community. So we took our collective potential as a church, all of this incredible uh, wealth of wisdom and intelligence and beauty. I'm being really nice to you right in the moment. Right? We, look at, we looked at, Westside has such incredible potential. You are so connected to our culture. The, the, the salt of this salt shaker sprinkles across a great swath of Alachua County and beyond. You are connected. You have great potential. And so we looked at that, all of your potential to influence. And we think there is a way for us as a church to really make a difference if we'll take our unique collective potential and apply it passionately to very unique problems in a college town with lots of folks that are passing through just for a period of time. Much like this Ethiopian eunuch on a chariot, there are people that come in on their chariots from all over the world and land in Gainesville for a few months to a decade getting what they hope will be the, the, the potential job, the potential education, the potential wealth, the potential happiness, they're all seeking the greatest life they can possibly find. But the vast majority of them that ride their chariots through Gainesville don't know their greatest potential will never be found apart from Jesus. And it's our job to run to their chariots and show them what they're looking for to help them find life in Jesus. So we, we put together a mission statement that goes like this. You and I are called. Our mission is to join everyday people on the journey. We've got to join them on the journey. They're journeying. And notice I didn't just say their journey. You're still on a journey. If you stopped your journey, you're in trouble. God says, run the race that is before you with endurance. Don't get tangled up. Keep running. You're on a journey. All of us are on a journey. We were talking about it as a mission team. We landed on that 
on that island with those folks and I just spent seven days with people I'll probably never see again this side of heaven. I don't know. I don't know. But for, for a period of time, I was in their chariot and I got a chance to share Jesus and explain Jesus and help them understand who the Lamb of God is, who the suffering servant is. I got to spend some time and get in their chariot. What a privilege. What a joy. You have that as your mission every day. In Gainesville. And every day the world comes here. So, West Side around the world is a huge idea. We, we must go to the world, must be West Side around the world, but we can never forget the world is right here around West Side. And so we just, we live it every day. That word every day should haunt us. We don't, we're not just Sunday people. Not just Sunday Christians. That will, that will destroy a church. If we just say we're Sunday people and we want those people to join us. When the Bible and the illustration of Jesus, the, the illustration of Paul and the apostles, all of them... Uh, join, went and joined people. The vision, listen, the vision we often see, and I don't know if you can get to this slide quickly enough. Here's the vision that we come out of seminary as pastors having. And it is what you always kind of think about, and you are concerned about it, and it is something we want to have happen. We want people joining the church. Amen? Amen. We want to see people joining the church. But if we take the book of Acts seriously, we know people will never join the church if the church never joins the people. And so we need to flip this around. Our vision is the church joining people. I didn't say it's the church compromising doctrine. I didn't say it was the church uh, doing something that it shouldn't do or that we shouldn't have. Listen, you need to join a church. You are called to be accountable to a local church family. Everybody needs to join a church. You need to be a part of a local church. But the people aren't flooding our doors. They're riding through on chariots in Gainesville. They're riding through on chariots. And they don't know the truth. You are salted out, connected to the everyday people in our world and you have an opportunity to join them for however long on that journey to help make disciples who will make disciples are you seeing it church say amen if you see it see that's the vision verbalized and the vision visualized Joining everyday people on the journey to life's greatest potential in Christ. And why would we say life's greatest potential in Christ? Because there are lots of folks that are saying your best day is now if you'll just believe hard enough and do hard enough and work hard enough. Or there are lots of folks say that if you'll just get this degree and become a doctor or a lawyer, if you can just get into UF and get that degree, you'll have the greatest life possible. And you and I know it doesn't matter how many degrees, how much money, how much you accomplish in the world. It, it's all going away when you die. 
And it all leads to an emptiness. Your greatest potential can never be found apart from Christ. It is only in Christ you find peace. In Christ that you find purpose. In Christ that you find a reason for living. And so that is our goal, is to come alongside of people for however long we can. Join them in their chariots. Join them in their journey. Share with them the truth about Jesus. Teach them the word of God. Open our mouths. Help them understand so that they can know Christ, be in Christ, and experience the life that he wants them to have. And by the way, when you're doing that, when you are sharing Christ, connecting to people, just giving your life for the sake of others, you will find life at its greatest potential. You will find joy like you've never found it before. One of the great reasons you need to come and put your card in here and go on a trip, start praying, for, is joy in your own heart, potential in your own life. Some of you will never advance because you're disobedient to the Great Commission. You never make it where God really is calling you. Those excuses won't work. Well, let me conclude it this way. We will change our community as a church when we live in consistent, a consistent state of surrender to God's Spirit. Just like, just like Philip. When the Spirit said, run... He ran. We'll change our own lives. We'll experience our own greatest potential. We'll make a difference in the world when we live in a consistent pursuit of relationships with people far from God. We've got to pursue those relationships. We, we, and not just for, to win them to Christ, but because we love people. And it's not to get something or check off a list or put a notch in your belt. You're pursuing relationships because you're called to love your neighbor and love people. And we must live in a sensitive engagement with everyday people and listen to what they're reading, listen to what they're wanting to know, hearing their hurts like he heard that Ethiopian eunuch. And then we can connect that truth to Christ and show them life as it's meant to be. We will accomplish our mission. My final thing. When God transforms pew sitters into chariot chasers. We will accomplish our mission as God turns pew sitters into chariot chasers. So, we're coming back from Brazil and we're going through to Miami airport. And I know the rigmarole. I know what they're going to ask. I get my passport out. I'm like, I'm an American. Let me back in. I want to get home. No, 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 no. We got to know who you are first. You got to prove who you are. So I pull out my passport and I prove who you are. You know, they always ask you the same question. What do you got with you? What are you bringing back with you? Write down the value. What's the value? If it's not over $800 or whatever the limit, you don't even have to spell it out. Can I tell you, church, 
I live with this reality. You need to live with it. When I get to heaven, God's going to look at me and say, what did you bring with you? You're not bringing any earthly value, but you can bring people. Who are you bringing with you? What's the value of what you've done with the time, the talents, the treasure that I've given you? What are you going to bring with you to heaven? Would you bow your heads? I want us to have a time of reflection. And then I want us to begin to respond. I'm looking at all these faces on these cards. And maybe you can come and take a card and commit to pray. Just take one. Just take one. But there are four baskets here. And right now you can begin to fill out that card. And if you'd like to come and place that card in a basket. It might be just a, 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 you're you're checking that you want to pray or that you want some more information. And we will follow up with you. Or that you want to get involved serving locally, the world around Westside. Or you want to serve globally. West side around the world, or you want to pray about a trip or be a team member, uh, if you don't know exactly, but you know God's putting it on your heart, you want more information, put this card, put it, put your name on the card and a way to connect with you, a phone and an email and we'll follow up. I just think Jesus didn't just save us and tell them to come to us, he saved us and sent us to them, it's very simple. Would you respond? Let's stand together. Father, I ask as we, as we sing, hear the music, we'll just stay prayerful in our attitude. Many of us will go to this altar and we'll pray for the nations. But I pray that there are people right now that will surrender their life to missionary service. And there will be counselors and others that are down here. And if there are those that need to surrender their heart and life to, uh, to Christ or to the service, I pray that they would come. God, I pray that each one of us would respond. That we would take one of these unreached people groups and commit to pray. That we'll put our name in that basket as a way of just saying, God, I'm going to open my ears and my eyes for the Spirit's leading. God, I want to be open like Philip was. To everyday people I meet. And to the everyday people living on islands in the Amazon that need you. Father, I just pray that each one of us will respond as you've called in Jesus' name. Amen. You can bring your card as you get it prepared. And as you're ready, you can come and pray. You can come and take one of these names. Let's respond as the Lord leads.
want to sing this chorus one more time. And we want to take some time. You know, maybe you are still filling out your card and you want to bring it. Maybe you want some more information. I encourage you to go out to the tables after the service and, and just peruse and look at the faces and, and just ask God what it is that he would, he would have you do. One of the things that I have done, and I know many of you have done as well, is last year about this time I led us in a, in a one fund campaign called Reach. And the way that that worked is we took what normally we gave special to our World Mission Fund, which is about $150,000 or so a year that people gave above and beyond their normal tithes. You took them and you added it to your pledge and you, you added Lottie Moon and, and some of those things to your, your pledge. And, and so there's not, a, there's not a financial number on here for you to put, but here's what I'd encourage you to do. We need you to give so that we can continue to support our mission partners. And we need you to add that to your tithe that you give at the end of the service. We need God to put that on your heart. Would you ask him? What can I add? And that will help us effectively reach the world for Christ, the world around West Side and West Side around the world. We can't do it without that. And so I took that and I added it to my tithe. And that's part of my regular weekly giving to the REACH offering. And so if you're thinking, where can I give special? Give special to that. It is supporting that. It is, it is key to us fulfilling the budget that we've just by faith pledged to support all of our mission partners. And so you can give, commit to pray, commit to go. And let me just encourage you as well before we, before we go. Today might be the day you need to be forgiven of your sin. That you need to trust Christ. As we just sing this a little bit longer. I invite you to come. We have counselors that are here, folks that just would love to help confirm that prayer for you. If, or maybe you want to join our fellowship. We want to give you a chance to do that or bring that last card. Maybe you filled it up. But I want all of us to walk out with the nations on our heart and on mission for him. Let's sing together, Justin, one more time. I'll be here as you come. Jesus saves, doesn't he? But he has decided to do it with us. That's what today's about. And I hope you'll just allow him to use you. Let's pray together as we go to our time of offering. Father, I just ask that our reach offering, God, which you've blessed this year, I thank you for the faithfulness of the people as they've given. But God, there are many people here who, ne who weren't a part of that original pledge, that original commitment. God, maybe they'll commit today to give their tithes, that first fruits, but then to give some extra. God, to help us send people, to serve people around the world. God, that's, that's your call on our life. So we give joyfully right now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be